This week on Myths and Legends, it's a fairy tale from Hans Christian Andersen that reminds us that things aren't always what they seem. And also, the solution to your mustache not connecting to your beard is solved by a day at the spa. Wouldn't that be nice? Then, on the Creature of the Week, we'll see how wearing shoes can save your life. But only if you're a hairless bear. This is Myths and Legends, episode 268, What We Do With the Shadows. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are tales that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today's episode comes from a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. Let me preface this by saying, if you've read the original... It is immediately problematic, as in just a few sentences alone will make you cringe. We'll talk about this a little at the end, but right now, let's meet up with a man on vacation on an uncomfortably warm day. Ah, this is excellent, thank you, said the man, with a tip of his hat. The door closed behind him, and he flew to the balcony. Bound by an iron railing, the space was just large enough for a small side table, a chair, and a couple pots of flowers. It was perfect. He'd booked a second-floor unit for this long trip in the sunny south, with hopes of people watching for days on end. You see, he was a writer, but lately, inspiration had been difficult to find. A bead of sweat raced down his forehead, and he fluffed his shirt. Oof, the sun was not messing around. Fanning his face, he retreated inside to unpack his things and lay out a notebook and pen. A trickle of moisture ran down the center of his back, gluing his shirt to his skin. Like me, when I need to sit down to write on a challenging project, the man realized he had so many pressing concerns that needed to be addressed first. First, a glass of water, then a nap. But just for a moment, this heat was unreal. Hours later, the traveler awoke face down in the bedspread. All was dark, save a gradient of lamplight coming in from the street below the balcony. Laughter and music called up to him, and he lit a candle before sinking into the chair by the iron railing. His face brightened. He discovered what the locals already knew. Cool evenings with their starry skies and breezes more than made up for the stifling days. Up and down the street below, people of all sorts had paused their work, and turned the road into a patio. Hundreds of candles danced alongside men, women, and children eating, joking, playing, and even setting off a firework or two. It was the place to be, and the traveling writer soaked in the sight with a grin. This became the visitor's pattern for weeks, surviving the blistering heat by day and relaxing on the open balcony every evening by candlelight. Everything from playdates to weddings to funerals happened after the sun went away and the writer would have been abundantly inspired, if not for the heat that made it as difficult to breathe as it was to think. By the time evening rolled around, he was always too tired to write. Even my shadow shrinks beneath these rays, like bacon under too much heat, he joked to the front desk attendant one day. The attendant, definitely excited for his nightly conversations with the writer, and not a captive audience whose job it was to be polite, smiled. Wow. What an astute observation. Really, though, the shadow wasn't? Shrinking, that is. For a comparison to make sense, it had to actually apply to the real world. 
Otherwise, you risk mixing your metaphors and coming off as confusing. Light would make his shadow more prominent, not less. The man held up a hand. No, no, no. His shadow was clearly withering over the course of his trip due to the insufferable heat. Nothing short of these glorious nights on the balcony could restore his health. <laughs> Both of our health, actually, the man added. You know, me and my shadow. The attendant's mouth remained flat. Not even worth it. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say, sir. Clearly the guest knew best. The writer lifted his nose and returned to his second-floor room to watch the street bloom alive once more. He melted into the chair to wait, his notebook flopping open to a new page. Ugh, who was he kidding? All the pages were blank. This vacation was getting him nowhere. For several nights, the man had watched the flow of people letting loose in the street. But eventually, he'd begun setting his sights a little higher, to the other two-story buildings across the way. The apartment directly opposite from his, the one with the empty balcony, was of particular interest. Well, it wasn't empty. The space was just large enough for a small side table, a chair, and a couple pots of flowers. It was perfect. And yet, no one ever came outside. It was the only balcony that remained vacant night after night. Someone must be watering the flowers regularly, or else they'd all be shriveled beneath the sun. But watered by whom? The desk attendant downstairs had known nothing, and was also really curt this time around. So now the man sat watching and waiting with unanswered questions once more. Then, there it was. Notes, as in music. A melody wrought with emotion and the unpredictable flight of a butterfly floated from the apartment. So someone was in there. But who? What was their story? Was there a back door they used in secret? And that beautiful music, it was unlike anything he had ever heard before. And it was also impressive that he could detect the tune over the party noise and fireworks in the street, the front desk attendant said the next morning. And yet, still no scribbles had fallen into the man's notebook. After all that inspiration... Such a pity. Yeah, I'm afraid we don't keep logs on renters in other buildings, sir, said the attendant. Can I help you with anything else? The answer, of course, was no. And so the writer shuffled away to the Continental Breakfast Line. At about 2 a.m., something woke him up with a start. Flickers of reds and oranges from beyond the balcony. A deep panic within. It must be a fire. In two bounds, he was at the iron railing. It wasn't a fire he found, but a woman. There, on the opposite balcony, she swayed, dancing with wild hair in the glow of a candle. Too soon, her toes glided between the flower pots, carrying her back inside. The man rubbed his eyes and looked again, but she never reappeared. He had finally seen the dweller from across the way, but instead of answers, he found only more questions. He went back to bed, but it seemed sleep had left him as well. At this point, the man's vacation was nearly halfway through. He was on like week four. Must be nice. He was on to a story, and it was likely big for his writing career, despite his empty notebook. For the past few days, he'd obsessed over the woman in the mystery apartment. What did she do all day? What were her dreams? Had she seen him? He would give anything to be over there, just to find answers. He froze. Oh, but 
he was over there. Rather, his shadow was. Scratching his chin, he chuckled as the shadow's arm moved in unison. He stood and sat back down, and the shadow did the same. On his feet once more, he repositioned the candle behind him. At last, he got it right, and his shadow stood more comfortably in the far balcony. Together, they sank into their respective perches and relaxed. My shadow is proving quite useful, he said to himself. Then louder, you are proving quite useful. I should say, you smart shadow, you. Actually, uh, why don't you go inside that apartment, see what you can find, and then share it with me, so I actually have something to write about. The man guffawed, and so did the shadow. They bowed to one another and danced and waved for several minutes before the man's face soured. If only it were that easy. Go, but come right back with this fabulous story. It was exactly what he'd try to do with this vacation, and now he was talking to his shadow about doing the same. Well, that was a new low. That's my cue for bed, he grumbled. The man in his shadow stretched and turned inside the apartment for the night. Except, at the very last minute, just as the man picked up the candle and angled inside his room, the shadow broke left, separated, and disappeared into the apartment across the street. Sir, for the third time, I'm going to have to ask you to move. We have guests trying to enter. The front desk attendant called from behind the counter. The man continued staring at the ground while suitcase-laden arms scraped past against the door jams. The voice came again. Sir, if you please, in or out. At this, the man jolted and scowled at the attendant. The writer stuffed his newspaper beneath an arm and marched to the cafe nearby. He felt like that worker had it out for him. But today, that was not his concern. Today, it was his shadow, or his lack of shadow, rather. It was gone, despite the sun blaring overhead. He'd chuckled at first, recalling the antics from the night before. Then he'd belly laughed at the realization that there it was, the idea for his next piece. The missing shadow, it was brilliant. Uh, but then it wasn't. Back home, there was a popular story people knew, and for the man to debut a tale about the same topic would just be a bad look all around. No, he couldn't risk being unoriginal. So, that night, he set out his candle and settled onto the balcony. Perhaps his shadow would return and share something else that could be used for his writing. But the shadow never came, no matter how much the man waited, then beckoned, pleaded, and finally wrung his hands. His shadow was gone. It was sad missing something you never thought about. How had he lost something one never had to try and keep? In some ways, being deserted by your shadow was an even lower low than talking to it. And yet, there was hope. One sunny morning, just a couple days after losing his shadow, there it was. A baby shadow. Not like a baby's shadow behind him, but a tiny root of a shadow peeking out from beneath his shoe. Could shadows grow? If they could walk away, why not grow? Over the next few days and weeks, the man's shadow grew like a boy into a man. Soon, it was even bigger than his original. And when the man's vacation ended, he packed up his things, including his writer's notebook, which now had at least a few observations scrawled across the pages, and bid everyone goodbye, except for that front desk attendant, then he returned home, 
settled back into an everyday routine, and wrote about life observed. Often, he thought about the mysterious woman dancing freely on the balcony. If only he could write with such imagination and without constraints. But alas, he was bound forever to write about what already was. Several years down the line, a knock sounded on his front door. Behind it stood a well-dressed sir, who spoke as though they were already old friends. The visitor had stepped inside and made himself at home before the writer had been able to object. Wait, you don't know who I am? The stranger asked. The man's look said everything. I'm your shadow. You said to come back, so I'm back. The stranger stood tall and squared his shoulders. But you don't look anything like a shadow, managed the man. I definitely know shadows don't have skin or bones or wear clothes. Wait, is that a gold chain? Sure enough, the shadow had come back, donning designer clothes head to toe, accented with arguably too much bling. Nearly every finger sported jewels and several rings. His watch seemed as costly as his fancy shoes. The writer reached out with a clammy hand. The shadow was real. This was unbelievable. That was all the man could say over and over. In the living room, the shadow dominated conversation, wowing the writer with travels and successes. You told me to go and see and live, and I did, and it's been awesome. Really, I should thank you. So, thank you. You're a good childhood friend, and now we're both out seeing the world. Even if you did get a replacement shadow, the visitor smirked. It's okay, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not, not, not jealous. But the man was still several paces behind. I just don't understand. This is all just... Look at you. You're a human. The shadow shrugged with wide arms. He supposed he looked the part. Really, thank you. I owe you. It was nonsense, of course. The man beamed and welcomed the shadow as he wished he had done from the start. So, what brings you back after all these years? He asked. After seeing the world... The shadow had wished to see his hometown once more before he died. The man gasped. That was awful and understandable, but also sad. The shadow brushed it off and changed the subject. Out in the world, he remembered seeing the sights that had once been of interest to the writer. Would he care to hear more about the shadow's amazing travels? It was the findings inside the mysterious woman's apartment that fateful night that intrigued the writer the most. And so the shadow promised to tell all, as long as the man promised to forever hold his secret, that he was a shadow. I would like for people to think of me as human, especially since I'm here to get engaged. The man's brows lifted this. Okay, so the shadow was getting married or was he dying? The writer was confused. At this, the shadow drew near, stepping on top of the new shadow, laying helplessly on the floor and likely wondering how he could separate as well, promise not to tell how I began, and I will tell you all about the woman across the way. It was an offer the man could not refuse. Who would he tell, anyway? And so he promised. At last, he would have all the answers. Over the next several hours, the shadow shared about the woman in the apartment. Poetry, that was her name. Actually, she embodied all poetry. She was poetry, shadow corrected. 
the man was confused if this whole thing was an allegory, but he was also talking to his shadow, which had taken form, so he figured he'd just roll with it. The writer became quiet and nestled deeper into the cushions of the couch. Shadow should know, because he'd creeped, <laughs> you mean hidden, he'd hidden inside her apartment for three whole weeks, and he had seen everything. The story says that the shadow learned and observed. He was never noticed by others, but always noticed them. He explored all the rooms of the woman's apartment one by one, and then ventured through the town. By day, he crept down the narrow streets and looked inside the rear windows. At night, he became bold and stretched his back to peer into second floors. He saw what everyone did in the shadows and behind closed doors, all the disappointing and rotten things they like to keep hidden away. I wrote them letters about what I saw, you know, to the parties involved. And my letters, I guess, spoke to them in ways that brought excitement and maybe a little fear. It moved them, you should say, the shadow explained with a smile, flashing all of his jewelry. The writer's eyes flickered. Could the same ever be said about his writing, too? Also, was the shadow blackmailing strangers by telling them he knew of their sordid deeds? Anyway, the shadow continued, the people started giving me all this stuff that you see on me. Clothes, jewelry, wads of fresh printed money. Here, take some. I have too much. He held out handfuls of bills pulled straight from his pockets. But the writer wouldn't take it. Shadow smiled. It was fine. All he meant was that he was grateful for the life he now lived. And he had grown into a man out in the world. He presented the writer with a card bearing an address. It was his new home if ever the man wished to come visit. And with that, Shadow left. We'll see things take a strange turn. Well, stranger than your shadow breaking away from you and becoming human. But that will be right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The writer couldn't take it anymore. His notebook hit the wall and flopped to the ground, followed by a broken pencil. When would his moment be? When would his work shine? Sure, he dreamed like anyone else, but he wrote about what he knew, real things. And that was apparently not what made the bestsellers list these days. Or any days. He wailed that he was a failure. Just then, a knock sounded at the door. It was Shadow, just as well-dressed as the last time, although several years had passed between visits. And his style was altogether different. How's life? He greeted and the writer shared all about his stagnant career. You need thicker skin. And a getaway, said the shadow. And he invited the writer on vacation with all expenses paid. It blew the man away, and he immediately declined. It was too much. Also, he guessed maybe Shadow wasn't dying after all. But Shadow wouldn't be distracted. How about they help each other? Shadow would take the man on an inspiring, free vacation. Free, as in the artist would pay nothing at all. And the man could, I don't know, maybe be Shadow's shadow? Uh, it seemed that by being a shadow, 
Shadow didn't have one himself, and it kind of weirded people out. I'm sorry, I just can't, the man said. He wasn't so low as to need pity and charity from his own shadow, who, despite being like him in every way, was absolutely killing it out there in the world. This whole thing was just too much to think about. And so, Shadow went away again. The man threw himself into writing anew, but seeing as how he didn't change his habits or make efforts to improve in any way whatsoever, the result was the same. Only this time, he began to grow sick. He lost weight, lost that spark in his eyes, and his vigor declined. Noticeably, neighbors began telling him he looked gaunt. Almost like a shadow. A shadow. Maybe that was the role for him. We need a spa week. Healing waters. Some place with a beach. You like beaches? Shadow asked as the writer packed. The man had given in to the free vacation idea and agreed to be Shadow's shadow, whatever that entailed. He laid down on the ground, asking if the attachment thing hurt, but Shadow only laughed and explained that that wasn't how this worked. You can walk around, same as me, but we tell people you're my shadow and you walk where my shadow would naturally be. Uh, they'll eat it up, it'll be great, he said. And maybe you can write about all the, like, water we're going to see or something, Shadow said, tipping his chin toward a mirror. Mm, yes, he could use a healing water vacation himself because his beard just wasn't filling in the way he hoped. It was full, but the mustache didn't connect. It was this whole big thing. The writer didn't understand how water had anything to do with facial hair, but overstuffed his suitcase anyway. And they left side by side as friends. Shadow and... Shadow, Shadow. Everywhere they went, they went together. Shadow walked where he wished, and the man scurried to keep himself opposite the sun, whether they were riding, walking, or eating up all the tourist traps they could find. And the man felt right at home letting Shadow take the lead in all their interactions with the public. It was Shadow's money, after all, and the writer was happy to be the sidecar along for the ride. Hey, I'm really glad to be here, he told Shadow after a few days. That is, I'm glad we're friends. You know, maybe, and totally just spitballing here, how do we feel about using first names with each other? No more formal sir and mister stuff. That was an amazing idea, and Shadow agreed. For the writer, yes, Shadow would immediately begin calling the man by his first name, but being addressed himself so informally in public might confuse people as to which of them cast the shadow and which of them was the shadow who had been and was no longer, and who wasn't but now was. Frankly, he was getting a little confused just talking about it. So yes, to keep things easy and clear, Shadow would call the man by his first name, but the man should absolutely still use formalities with Shadow. Okay, good talk. In the morning, the writer fell back in line, opposite the sun, at Shadow's side. After their conversation, things felt different. Unequal as though they truly had switched roles. It was uncomfortable. It was too much. But there was nothing the writer could do. Welcome. Please enjoy your stay. The front desk attendant smiled and handed Shadow a trifold brochure with several recommended spa treatments. Shadow moved away, but the man, the writer, lingered eyeing the employee. Clearly, the recognition was not mutual. 
his old nemesis, working for a new hotel, good for him, but still the same smug employee from years before. How had he forgotten their old rivalry? It made the writer feel even more invisible. Shadow cleared his throat, and the man snapped to attention. Right, he was the Shadow now. Out the door they sailed, and headed across the promenade. They didn't make it very far, before a robed woman made a beeline in their direction. I know exactly why you're here, and it's not the reason you claim, she said, scrutinizing Shadow's beard. The accusation was startling, but not as startling as Shadow's reply. He bowed and addressed the woman as Your Highness. She was the princess. The crown, her air of importance, the line of servants in her wake, it all tracked. Shadow had picked the exclusive spa that drew high-profile clientele wishing to cure themselves of any number of conditions. It was said that the princess had a fault of seeing things, quote, too clearly, which can be most upsetting. You know, despite that maybe being a good thing when you're in a position of leadership. Anyway, one of her servants stepped forward and whispered something in the woman's ear. She shook her head. No, I don't believe he's here for that thing he calls a beard, she said. You're here because you can't make a shadow. Everyone looked to the spotless ground. And for the first time, Shadow's voice wavered, but only for a second. Wow, I can really tell that you're working on your condition, he gulped. Also, how should he put this? The princess was wrong. He didn't have a basic shadow. That was more accurate. The man, this one right here, was his shadow. Shadow's shadow was like an upgraded model. He could talk. The crowd of spa-goers gathered closer and marveled along with the princess. Wow, this was unheard of and yet undeniable. Make a note to get me one of those upgraded shadows when we get home, she told a servant and stepped away, linking arms with shadow. The man, the writer, trailed behind, always keeping an eye on the sun. For the rest of the day, the princess and Shadow talked and laughed, and when the evening dancing began, both were still together. Shadow had seen the world, and his stories and delivery drew everyone in. But then the princess began asking tougher questions about things Shadow knew nothing about. Questions about the sun and the moon, about insights into the human condition, their motives and perception. Shadow stroked his chin and avoided her questions, but she pressed him further. The problem was that he knew all about the things he'd seen and observed, but that was it. Suddenly, it came to him. I could tell you all you want to know, but wouldn't it be something to hear it from a shadow? He pointed to the man standing off-duty by the entryway in the dim room, and the princess's eyes grew wide. Obviously, that would be amazing. Oh, but just one thing, Shadow added before he left. Uh, he's a little sensitive. He takes pride in being very human-like. So, if you don't mind, could you talk to him like a regular human? He thinks he's people. The princess was more than happy to oblige, and she swirled away to speak with a Shadow for what she thought was the first time. And the writer did not disappoint. He seemed to know everything about everything, his replies wise and eloquent. Throughout their conversation, the princess stole glances at Shadow across the room. 
Obviously, a gentleman who had such a knowledgeable shadow must be all the more impressive himself. And smart, she said. What's that now? The writer asked. What did smart have to do with the phases of the moon? Apologizing, the princess took her leave and returned to Shadow's side. The wise and important Shadow, unlike any person she had ever met. Shadow that would make a smart life partner and help her lead the country when her time came. Walk with me. Talk with me, she said, drawing Shadow out onto the empty balcony. We'll see Shadow approach the writer with kind of a big ask, but that will, once again, be right after this. You have got to be kidding me, the man spat. Shadow held out both hands, patting the air. Now I said, hear me out. You're not even trying to hear me out. A few days after meeting the princess, Shadow had announced that he was cured and would be leaving the spa. He'd been cryptic about their next destination, which turned out to be a full-blown castle. The one where the princess lived. Then, in the privacy of their shared room, Shadow had revealed to the writer that the princess had asked him, him, a shadow, to marry her. He'd said yes even before she finished. And they were getting married tonight. The whole thing had been a huge secret, but now the day had arrived. Can you believe it? Shadow sang. But the man could not. Nor could he believe that his own shadow had asked him to officially and forever flip roles. You're saying that you want me to play the role of shadow, your shadow, permanently, he asked. The answer was yes. And also, maybe once a year, could you like lay down on the ground just to give people a visual? Maybe remind them that you're the shadow now? It, it, it's no big deal. It, it'll be fun. The writer scoffed, but it was a big deal, a very big deal, because this was his life. And shadow would be wise to remember that. Oh, Oh, is it? And what have you done with it? I'm rich and marrying a princess. You've been surpassed by your own shadow, Shadow said with a smirk. Would it be so bad letting Shadow take the wheel? It would give the writer a rest from all that toil and failure. But for the first time in their history together, maybe the first time ever in the writer's life, the writer held firm and stood up for himself. Maybe so, but this was his failure. Shadow sneered, still half-dressed. Whatever. He had a wedding to get to. He'd broken free from the man years ago, and Shadow wouldn't let the writer's mediocrity bring him down. Not today. He called for the guards and threw on a jacket from the bed. The writer, getting a taste of the power and decisiveness that Shadow wielded so effortlessly, bent low, charged, and tackled the shadow. It caught Shadow off guard, literally and figuratively. Suddenly, neither had the upper hand. And when the castle guards arrived, they saw two identical men struggling against one another on the floor. Each man quickly made their case, and in the end, the guards subdued Shadow. That is, the fiancé pretending to be a man. He was the real Shadow, it seemed, seeing as how he couldn't answer all the right questions. The other, the original man, had explained the whole thing, while the other watched in horror. The guilty party was dragged away, struggling and screaming, down to the dungeon. 
That night, the new prince sat next to his bride. The princess took his hand. Oh, my. Was he trembling? He explained that he had been through a whole ordeal that morning. Well, for several years, really. It was his shadow. The separation, the growth. His shadow had grown beyond itself into a man, a real one, complete with its own thoughts. And today, he had turned violent. He'd had enough, I guess, the prince said. Luckily, the guards had intervened. The shadow sat locked in the dungeon. Who knew what would become of him? The princess sat back, recalling her conversations with the man and his shadow at the healing spa. She'd been impressed with both of them, really. But I can't have a violent lookalike spouse running around, she said. And yet, life in prison wasn't a great existence. Not for someone she cared about. Not really. The princess clapped, and a servant appeared. She whispered something into his ear, and the servant's eyes opened wide. Well, what are you waiting for? Go and have it done, she barked before turning to the new prince. Now, let's have a dance, shall we? The prince hesitated, and the princess conceded. Fine, she was having the shadow executed. Out of kindness, she insisted. It wasn't even a person, and there was no sense in the thing wasting away in a slow death. And after all, the princess was known for seeing clearly, was she not? The decision was done. Now let's dance. The prince sputtered, but only for a moment, and then took her hand. He stood, and a small notebook fell from his coat pocket. You dropped something, noted the princess with a smile. Oh, she didn't know her husband was a writer. The prince smiled back. Oh, he wasn't. He must have grabbed the wrong coat earlier in the excitement. He tossed the half-empty notebook aside and went to dance with his new wife. It was a dim ballroom, but a watchful eye would notice. On the dance floor, underneath the prince, there was no shadow. Just a man the only one left standing. The original version of the story, simply called The Shadow, makes it very obvious that it was written a long time ago. Since then, people have tried to analyze it in a variety of ways, some saying it's about the art of writing, like a comparison of poetry versus concrete writing. Others say that it's representative of the dynamics of slavery, or talk about Anderson drawing attention to the power of appearances. You know, feeling compelled to be what society likes and demands over how you feel you're really made. There's a theory, too, that the whole story was just a passive-aggressive power play during Anderson's time. These ideas certainly make up a wide net. But for our purposes, we lead into the art of writing angle, the writer is the first to tell you that his work covers what is true, beautiful, and good. Contrast that with the exciting woman across the way, named Poetry, that the writer is unable to understand and know, despite his desire. He goes so far as to create a different version of himself just to understand her, to be able to write in the style that society wants him to, and perhaps to live in the way society wants him to. Is it about writing, relationships, or about figuring out what you are? versus what society says you should be. In the end, the shadow, the entity the world embraces, 
lives only because the true self dies. And it's all these layers that make the story interesting beyond face value. Next week on the show, it's the end. The end of Greek mythology, when the Olympians are finally defeated by, of course, birds. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a 16 by 16 inch I Love Podcasts tote bag, you can get bonus episodes and ad-free versions of the show that, okay, maybe won't broadcast your great love of podcasts to strangers on the subway, but, you know, still show you love podcasts. At least this one. So yeah, check out mythpodcast.com membership for more info on the membership. And don't forget, fictional, scoundrel, history's forgotten villains, and best of the worst are just waiting for you to enjoy. Find them all in free ways to listen at nextpod.com. The creature this time is the Kanagwa Higua from Iroquois folklore. Now, longtime listeners of this show might remember the Pig Faced Lady episode. And if you listen to that and follow the link on the site, you'll know that shaved bears are terrifying. Well, unkillable shaved bears are so much worse. This story starts with two young men, named the speaker and the interpreter, coming home after a long journey. The problem? Well, they were followed. In their absence, a big, naked bear had been causing all sorts of trouble. And because it was naked, the hunters could watch the spears and arrows bounce off its hide as it scooped up people from the villages to take them back to its cave and eat. Well, the hero kids were now stuck between a rock and a hard place, or a bear in an all-you-can-eat buffet. If they went back and faced it, they would fight an immortal, invulnerable super bear. They were close enough to the village that the bear would be able to smell their loved ones, even if they ran. Enter Spirit Grandpa. I'm not sure if the spirit was actually their grandpa, but he was an elderly man creeping around the edges of the village, which isn't weird at all. Still, he was helpful, saying that it was a good news, bad news situation. The good news? The bear had a weak spot. The bad news? They were literally spots, and they were on the bottoms of the bear's paws. Still, ghost grandpa and the kids devised a plan, a plan that started with them standing, fully armed, out in front of a makeshift tent. They stood with grimaces on their faces, spears in their hands, and barely propped up on their wooden legs because they weren't actually there. Those were mannequins, fakes. The bear didn't know that, though, and charged them. But then stopped to delicately step over a fallen tree, one that had been placed directly in its path. And that was the plan. While the bear was clumsily scraping at the tree with its back legs, the boys rolled from the forest and shot the spots on its feet, killing the monster. Because you can never be too sure when it comes to mythological creatures, they burn the body, because no one needs an invulnerable zombie bear. Couple lessons here. One, trust your ghost grandpa. He knows best. And two, if you're a naked, immortal bear, maybe get dressed. You wear a pair of shoes, and no one is stopping you. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. 
And our post-production and editing today was by Josh Elstro. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>